Welcome to The Accelerators. Here for you are a series of tried and tested and proven real world ideas to help you create and enjoy a business and a life of choice. The Accelerators, because success loves speed. Now we come to the guest interview of the month, and this month I'm delighted to bring you Brandon Bayes. I first heard of Brandon Bayes when she was associated with Tony Robbins as one of his lead trainers. Brandon has been involved in the personal development field for many years. What is truly remarkable about Brandon is her experience in controlling her own body with the power of her mind. In 1972, she was diagnosed with a football-sized tumour and found herself catapulted into a remarkable, soul-searching and ultimately freeing healing journey. Only six and a half weeks later, she was pronounced textbook perfect. No drugs, no surgery, no tumour. After some further life-changing experiences, Brandon now lives in England and gives workshops and retreats and private therapy sessions, helping people through a self-healing process to free emotional and physical blocks. I was fortunate to meet her at her home, an incredibly tranquil setting, and have the opportunity to explore the background to her breakthrough ideas and find out more about how she helps others. Let's hear that interview now. Brandon, it's great to be with you. Thanks very much indeed for sparing so much time to be with me today and answer some of my questions about your life. Having read your book about the journey, obviously I'd like to get to the point of you explaining about the tumour and your various ways of dealing with things like that. But if we could start at the beginning... What were you doing in your life prior to the point of the tumour that, if you like, led up to that point? Well, ever since university, I had been deeply interested in what is it that makes us all tick. And I found myself delving into the whole field of mind-body healing and learning everything that I could about it in the fields of kinesiology and acupressure and herbology and nutrition. And when I learned a lot about the anatomy and what makes the body work, I felt still this deep thirst that somehow I wanted to know more. And so I found myself delving into the field then of psychology and learning all about neuro-linguistic programming, neuro-associative conditioning, psychoneuroimmunology. And all of these are, are ways in which our language has an effect on our neurology. I still had this thirst and I kept feeling, oh, there's still, there's something more. And so I found myself going then deeply into the roots of all the spiritual traditions, so the roots of... Buddhism and the ancient Christian mystics and the roots of Hinduism. And in each of those great mystic traditions, I found there was a truth or an essence in all of them that really rang true to my own heart. And I'm not speaking to the outer trappings, but something deeper there. And after about 10 years of working in the field of mind-body healing and learning everything I could, I felt so full I wanted to somehow be able to give something back to humanity. And so I opened up, and this is about 12 years ago, a free-of-charge center with other therapists in New York City where we offered services so people could come if they had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and they could have the herbs and the acupressure done and also the psychological work done and the emotional work done. And it was an immensely humbling time for me. I felt every morning just a privilege to wake up and to meet these people who, with great courage, were undergoing their own personal healing journey. And with each one, I was amazed because each one got to it uniquely and differently on their own. And it was such an inspiring time. And after that time period of serving in that way for a couple of years, I met a man named Anthony Robbins. And I found at that time he seemed to be at the cutting edge of what was happening in the field of mind-body healing. And what I loved about him was I could see that he seemed to be having a lot of results that people around him 
were really learning to take charge of their lives and take charge of their physiology. And so I ended up becoming a master trainer with him and then ended up co-presenting with him and taught a program called Living Health in which I was teaching other people how to take charge of their health, how to live vibrant lives. And I myself was, of course, walking my talk and living that. And so, you know, what to eat, how to breathe, how to work out. I would teach them very practical things. And on the weekend, Tony would teach them all the mind-body healing techniques. And so it was a few years ago that I was feeling that I was really at a peak of fulfillment in my life. I had been married for 18 years, and my husband was head trainer for Robin's Research at that time. And we were both traveling the world, and we felt very deeply privileged and inspired to be allowed to serve people in helping themselves take charge of their lives on all levels. And not only that, but we were living in a little tiny cottage by the sea, and so I was breathing fresh sea air and drinking filtered water, and I had been a vegetarian at that point for already 15 years. And so it seemed like I was doing everything right. And not only that, but I no longer had to get my mind to think positively. My mind did that naturally because I felt at peace. I had a beautiful relationship with my children and my daughter was growing up in this personal growth field and I just felt so fortunate and lucky to be alive. And so when my own tummy started to grow, I just didn't want to believe that something could be happening to me. Despite the fact that you were saying you were fulfilled, was it still that you felt there was something that you were still searching for that you hadn't found just prior to your tummy starting to grow? I didn't feel that way at the time. I felt very alive. And I think it's because I felt so right, so good in my being. It's as if my soul said, okay, now you're ready to finally face something much deeper. And so... When my own tummy began to grow, I just didn't want to believe that something could be wrong with me. And it began to grow over time, and I thought, this is odd, it's, you know, I'm having trouble zipping up my pants. And and I thought, I'm not really doing anything different. I'm working out every day, I'm eating properly, and feel good in my being. And so there was a way in which I just went into denial. I just didn't want to believe it could be happening to me. And at one point it grew so large, I remember calling my mother up and I said, Mom, you know, it's an odd thing, my waistline's growing. And she said, oh my God, dear, you're 39 years old, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh my God, Brandon, you should be careful. That's the year it happened to me. I went from being skinny mini. And my mom always complained about how she had to eat a lot just to keep on her weight. And she said something shifted that year. My thyroid went crazy. And she said, I gained all my weight. My mother's actually very large. She's an obese woman right now. And she says, you've got to be careful, Brandon. You've got to start working out. It must be your thyroid. Nah, i got to tell you, I mean, would you think that I would have that belief? With all my background and mind-body healing, do you think that in this alternative field that I would believe at 39, somehow you're over the hill? No way. No way. No so, way. So what happened? The tumor, as you subsequently yeah, found it to yeah. be, was growing and growing? Growing in size, yeah. And... There was one night, and I remember it so clearly, I turned to my husband and I just said, you know, it's odd, I just feel myself to be pregnant. And I said, I know, that's not possible because we're not allowing that to happen right now. And the next morning I woke up, and there was this growing feeling inside that something was seriously wrong. And it was like a deep knowing. And being in the alternative health field as I was and am, I was so embarrassed to let anybody know that something could be going wrong with me. I didn't even want to tell my closest friends. And yet I hadn't been to an orthodox medical doctor 
in over 20 years. I'd only ever got massage or shiatsu or, you know, colonics, what have you. And so I secretly went to the bookshop and I thought, you know, I know that I've got to get medically diagnosed, but I don't even have a doctor who I know to go to and I didn't know where to turn. And so I went to the bookshop and I found a book written by a surgeon who'd written the book, No More Hysterectomies. And I thought, you know what, if she's a surgeon, at least it won't be her first inclination to take out all my organs. And so I called up, and they said I couldn't get an appointment for six months. She was extremely well-known. Next day, I got a phone call, and they had an appointment in six weeks, and I never knew how important that was going to be for me because in that six weeks' time, my tummy just blew up in size. And I found out later about the condition that that's the way it works. In the end, the cells start growing exponentially. And so when I finally got to her, I looked quite pregnant. And... I went into the surgeon's office and we went through a thorough 45-minute exam and she did every test you can imagine that they do. And at the end of it, she just very simply but very firmly said to me, Brandon, you've been diagnosed with a, a tumor that's the size of a basketball. That's a big tumor. Yes. And when I heard it, of course, my first response was just that. <laughs> I, I just went internally reeling inside. I just I couldn't believe it. It was more than my mind could deal with and you know how you try to be really funny at times like that and it falls flat <laughs> that's what I did of course I tried to make fun of it and I said oh, come on doc I mean are we exaggerating here I mean a tumor a basketball I mean that's a little over the top isn't it I mean she said would you rather I call it a beach ball it is this big and not only that but you've got to get it taken out today she said it's gotten so far advanced it's grown from all the way from your pubic bone into your diaphragm and so what stopped you saying yes at that point, which 99.9% yeah. of people say, sure, get it out of me. Yeah, well, you know, I internally, of course, I went reeling inside. And truthfully, at that moment, I couldn't think of much of anything. I was just speechless, and I'm glad I had my best girlfriend with me, who asked a lot of questions about further options. And finally, I just worked up the nerve. And I said, you know what, you don't even know me, Doc, but I'm in that mind-body healing field, and I can't exactly let you take out all my organs with at least allowing myself to at least give it my best shot. I'm not even saying it. I can make it happen or heal myself, but at least giving me the opportunity to try, to give it my all. And she said, Brandon, you know what? She said, I'm in the alternative health field. She said, I have a clinic attached to this where we give prescribed herbs and we give yoga and meditation. She said, and if I thought you could heal that way, you got to know. We would go that way. She said, but over the last several days, you've started internally bleeding. She said, I'm not afraid of losing you because of the tumor. She said, I'm afraid of losing you because the amount of internal blood loss that's happening at this moment. And she said, if this doesn't get checked within the next three days, you know, I could lose you that way. And she said, you're obviously vibrantly healthy. You know, you look radiant. She said, but this thing's got to be taken out and needs to be taken out right away. And she said, I can't even do it myself. I'm booked for months in advance, and you just have to take whatever surgeon's there in the hospital. And I said, well, let's say through medical hypnosis or through homeopathics, I could get the bleeding to stop. How much time could you really give me? And after another 45 minutes of negotiation, she finally said she'd give me exactly a month's time. If I could get the bleeding to stop, either through some method I knew, then she would give me one month to give it my best shot. And if in a month's time it wasn't completely handled... Then I said to her, and I truly want, and for those that are listening, for them to understand that I was totally willing 
to come back in there and let her do what she knew how to do, which was to take the tumor out. I just, I had to for my own integrity and from everything that I stood by and lived for, at least try. And so you tried? Yes, and it and wasn't... Here you are today, so yes, what was it, the next bit of the story then? Well, what happened was, it wasn't four weeks later, as you know, Peter, it was six and a half weeks later that I checked into Cedars-Sinai Hospital and I underwent every medical test and had about 45 pictures taken of my uterus and I was diagnosed to be textbook perfect clean. The surgeon took out a book and showed me the pictures of my uterus and pictures of a perfect uterus and uh, she compared the two and I was given a clean bill of health and it was an extraordinary, humbling, healing journey that I underwent in a very soul-searching time for me. Now, from your experiences of that, and that's just such a moving story, and as you know, I've read the book, and to hear you say it to me face-to-face is just incredible. You then developed yes. a number of processes. Yes. No doubt you put them in your words. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, well, there was a process I underwent, Peter, that was very powerful for me. And I thank God, you know, it seemed as if the whole of my life had been lived up until that very moment so that I could have seen all the people who had been diagnosed with things much worse than I had been diagnosed with and who'd actually successfully healed themselves. And I looked back, you know, at that time that I was in that clinic and I realized that all those people that I'd served in them healing, that in fact they'd been my teachers and they'd been real-life medical models of the possibility for healing at a cellular level. And yet what I learned from all of them is that each one came to it uniquely, differently, and they each had their own internal issues to uncover. And so I'd learned, and uh, perhaps some of the people who have listened to this series of your know of a man named Dr. Deepak Chopra. Yes, I've featured him on the program with oh, an right. excerpt from his program, Magical Mind, Magical Body. Yes, it, well, he's an extraordinary surgeon because what he did as a medical doctor is he did something very radical. He decided to study success rather than study failure. And most doctors will study the symptoms that cause people to die. Dr. Deepak Chopra, however, decided to study the process of survivors. And what he uncovered was that there are two qualities that all survivors have in common. He collated thousands of case histories of people who had survived, and he could only find two qualities they had in common. One was they had this ability either through some act of grace or through a method, or through some meditation, or through something they'd learned spiritually, they had been able to get in touch with the infinite intelligence inside themselves, with the same part of them that makes their heart beat and their eyes shine and their hair grow. They had been able to get in touch with this that I call source. They had been able to get in touch with that part of everyone that's awake when we're asleep at night. And the second key that they had in common is that they were able to get in touch with and access the actual memory that was stored inside a cell. And what Dr. T. Pak Chopra says is this, you know, the different cells inside the body do generate themselves, regenerate themselves at different speeds. So for instance, and this is just factual knowledge, if anyone's ever had a tan, I think all of us have probably had a tan at one point or another, I bet you we've all noticed that after about three to four weeks, your tan fades and it's because the skin cells replicate themselves in that amount of time. You literally have all new skin in that amount of time. 
Your stomach lining, you get an all-new stomach lining in only three days' time. Liver cells, you get an all-new liver in six weeks' time. And so the different parts of the body replicate themselves at different speeds. The one that gets me, is, I think, is the most extraordinary, the eye cells, that literally every 48 hours you have all-new eyeballs. And, yes, I know, it's almost... Incredible. Yes, incomprehensible to me until recently my mom underwent an eye operation where they slid open the front part of her eye and inserted a lens and then put back the flap. And only a day and a half later, they took off her eye patch and she could see. So literally, all the eye cells had replicated themselves and healed. And so the different organs of the body heal at different speeds. What Dr. Deepak Chopra suggests is this. He says, well, why is it then if, let's say, your liver replicates itself completely. You have an all-new liver every six weeks. If you look at a cancerous liver in January, then you look at it again in June, why would it still be riddled with cancer when it's replicated itself three or four times in that amount of time? So what he says is this, is that there are memories that get stored at a cellular level, and before one cell dies... It passes on its memory and its consciousness to the new cell being given birth to. So literally the programming from the cell that is dying gets passed on to the next cell generation. And so the next cell generation is a duplicate, a replicate of the previous cell, which is why it continues to pass on cancerous, traumatized cell memories down the line. But what he says is this, the successful survivors either through some act of grace or through some method they knew, or spontaneously, which is mostly what would happen, have interrupted this programming, that they've gotten access to the actual memory stored inside the cell. And if they've had a chance to finally resolve that traumatic memory stored inside the cell and let it go, then that programming is not passed on to the next cell generation. So what happened is, unfortunately, Dr. Deepak Chopra didn't give any methods. <laughs> you know, he said that this was true, and he's a scientist, and what he did was correlate evidence that the survivors had, A, this ability to get in touch with their own soul, with their own inner wisdom inside, and B, that that inner wisdom was capable of uncovering the memories that are stored inside the cells. And if you finally go about the process of letting those memories go and resolving them and finishing then that memory patterning does not get passed on to the next cell generation and the body's capable of healing itself quite naturally. So even though I had this in theory, <laughs> I didn't have a clue how to get access to these cell memories. And that was the great gift of my own experiences. There was one day, and I will never forget this day, I was getting a massage at that time, and it was two and a half weeks before I was due to go back in to the hospital. And I was lying on there on the massage table, and finally I just prayed inside myself. I was rather desperate at this point. And I just asked that somehow I be guided internally. And a deep presence of peace just flooded my being. And from that deep well of peace, I was guided to uncover what was stored inside that tumor and the actual memory that was there. 
And truthfully, when I uncovered that memory, my thinking skeptical mind checked in and said, oh, it can't be this memory. <laughs> we know all about that memory. That You know, you worked on that memory 10 years ago. You got that healed in therapy. And it was almost as if my mind was saying, oh, you may think that you finished and handled that. But it was as if my soul, my body were saying, yes, but you haven't. And so... During that process, not only did I uncover the memory, but I was also guided to finally finish and resolve it. And something happened, something extraordinary happened during that process. I'd long since accepted the traumatic memory that had happened in my childhood. You know, as you do when you've done this kind of work, and I know we've all done work on ourselves, you get to a point where you have accepted what took place, you know, and you put it behind you. And so I'd already thought, well, I'd already dealt with this. And yet there's a big gap, a quantum leap between acceptance and absolute and complete and utter forgiveness. And that day I was guided by an inner knowing to finally, completely and utterly forgive. And something extraordinary happened at that moment. It was as if I stopped clinging to the tumor. It had never been clinging to me. And when I finally forgave completely what had taken place, it was as if the story no longer had any power. It was just finally finished and let go of. And I'd stopped clinging to that story, the consciousness that was in it, and I stopped clinging to the whole pattern that had created the cell memory. And then after that was done, of course, you know, my thinking mind, my skeptical thinking mind checked in and just told me, oh, big deal. So you forgave, so what? You already knew about that old memory. Probably wasn't that memory. My thinking mind, my skeptical mind, just told me I was pretty much full of it. And when I stepped off that massage table, I reached down to touch my belly, and it was almost the tiniest, tiniest almost imperceptibly but palpably softer. And it was then that I got it. My body was going about the process of healing. And I began to feel like all the molecules in my body were shifting and I was quite woozy and shaky. And then it was two and a half weeks later that I was in Cedar sinai Hospital. And in that amount of time, my stomach went down. And it was literally as I let go of that old pattern that was stored inside my body when I completely finished with that. My body knew how to do the rest. I didn't have to visualize the tumor gone or didn't have to affirm to myself, oh, the tumor's gone, or didn't have to do mantras to myself. It's as if once I let go of that cell memory and I got to the root cause of what had put that whole tumor in place and finally finished it, then my body knew how to do the rest, the infinite intelligence inside you know, the part of you that does make your heart beat, the part of you that's making your nails grow at this very minute, that's the part of me that did the healing. You know, I just got the incredible, immense blessing of being allowed to participate in that process. So it was an extraordinary process, an extraordinary day for me. Since your recovery, you've developed some ways of helping other people to be able to achieve the results that you've achieved, not only in the removal of tumours, but into all areas of life. And I know that you have two journeys that you would call them, 
one being the emotional journey and one being the physical journey. Could you explain briefly for me those two journeys? Yes, I will. And what I discovered then, Peter, was that in both emotional issues and in physical issues, that it's possible to get to the very root cause of what has put something in place. And so the journey process, the emotional journey process, was developed out of my own experience. And the reason I began doing that is I thought, well, okay, this worked for me, but it's not enough to give people fish, you know, just do a process with them. I really wanted to teach them how to fish, teach them how to get to the root of any emotional issue. It's my belief when you finally get to the root cause of what has put an emotional issue in place and clean that out, then the surface issues get cleaned out. And so in the book and also in my seminars, you get a chance to undergo this where you finally get to the root cause of what has put something in place, resolve it and finish it. And then once again, the body knows how to go about the process of healing. And you can do that with an emotional issue. Or you can do that with a physical issue. You can uncover what's actually stored inside the cells. And it's my belief, you know, most of us don't have any physical issues wrong with us yet. And my prayer is that people will give themselves their own wake-up call now, before they end up with some physical issue down the line. And it's not to say that every emotional issue you have will end up becoming a physical challenge, but that it can happen. And so... We all have issues that we're hooked by, which what I mean by hooked is we all have issues that we feel that no matter how much work we've done on ourselves, no matter how hard we've tried, no matter how many seminars we've gone to, no matter how many tape series we've listened to, or how much process work we've done, we still feel like this challenge still keeps coming up for us. It's like it's on automatic pilot. What I mean by being hooked is like we can have a jealousy issue that... You know, even though we know our husband's not doing anything, still this jealousy comes up. Or anger, where we find ourselves blowing up the news, or angry at the traffic. And it's not as if these outer circumstances are what's causing our anger. What it is, is those outer circumstances only push our anger button. They're just triggering it. They're just triggering the anger button, and it's activating the anger that's already stored inside. But what put that anger issue in place in the first place? And so I like to, instead of dressing the surface issue called anger, I'd rather get to the bottom. What put that in place? Because once you've eradicated and finished and completed and resolved what's the base and what has put that issue in place, then the anger issue no longer needs to be coming up anymore then the outside circumstances no longer push your button. So that's when you're doing the emotional so journey. journey. But you mentioned there the physical stuff. Yes. When you can go into at the cellular level, if you like, yes. you know, through your mind. What the physical journey is, is it's like a guided magical mystery tour inside the body where you literally undergo the process I underwent. You're guided to go inside the body, go into a specific organ or a bone or a tissue or inside eyes, you know, inside anywhere, inside cells, DNA, and you uncover what's stored inside that cell, what emotional memory or traumatic past memory is stored there. And you then get a process where, in addition, it's not enough to uncover what's stored inside your body. It's a lot of work out there just is like opening a can of worms. 
This is not about opening a can of worms. This is about discovering the actual memories that are stored inside the cells and then finally resolving them, completing them, forgiving them, and finally letting them go completely. So then the cells can then replicate free from that past programming. And so in the book and also in the seminars, you learn that beautiful, magical mystery tour of how you can go inside your body and actually uncover the actual memory store there. It's quite an extraordinary process. And what has been such a blessing for me is with the journey work, what has been more amazing for me than my own experience has been to watch as others, people with arthritis, people with cancer, people with chronic fatigue, people with chronic rage issues where they just can't stop the rage from happening, or people with grief issues which they just can't complete with, or people who have low self-esteem or fear of public speaking or who feel that no matter what they do, they just feel this listlessness or depression. And so it's extraordinary that in each of those cases, the journey has been successful in getting to the root cause of all these things, finishing the story on it, and then people have been able to become free and live as an expression of who they really are. My favorite one of those is depression. I know it seems odd to say that as a therapist, my favorite issue to work with with people is depression. It's because the journey's been so highly successful with depression because depression for a lot of people is like a blanket. It's like a blanket that gets put over something much deeper. And it seems to work in every aspect of your life. If you've ever spoken to someone who's depressed, they'll always say, you know, it's like a downward spiral. And because what happens to the chemistry inside the body is that you'll think depressive thoughts and that actually creates depressive chemistry inside the body. And when you have more depressive chemistry, it actually starts negating your ability to produce joy. You stop being able to produce the opiates that are in the brain naturally. Your brain stops producing that. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. What happens is you get more depressed, so you think more depressive thoughts, creates more depressive chemistry, and so it goes. And as you go through each stage, you say to yourself, see, I told you, I was right, I am depressed. Yes. And so it goes on. And yeah. so it goes. The chemistry then creates more of a depressive state. And then your ability to experience any joy it becomes completely blocked because your literally body chemistry keeps you from being able to get access to the opiates in the brain, which are produced naturally in the body. And so what I love working with depression is because the medical field has given up on people so much in that area. They've told them, here, take some Prozac, take some dimazepam or timazepam, and the best that you can hope for is that for the rest of your life you'll be on these drugs and living at a very low level of existence. And with the journey, what I found is once you strip away that blanket and you get at what's really been driving your show and you finish with that, then you no longer need the blanket. And so the depression tends to leave very quickly. Same is true with chronic fatigue. That's one we've had a huge amount of success with. One of the ones that is most moving for me is a man who had been diagnosed with an egg-sized tumor in his lung. And he's here in Britain. He, the 67-year-old man. And what he uncovered inside that tumor was a very simple memory. It was when he was 16 years old and the bombs were flying and... He found his mother in the high street and she was stretched out looking so beautiful and so young and when he kept trying to shake her to wake her up and wake her up, 
Finally, the police came over and said, she's dead, son. And he had all this rage against God for taking his mother before her time and all this rage against the Nazis. You know, she wasn't in the war. She didn't have a gun. She wasn't hurting them. And at 16 years old, he had no way of resolving that rage. And as most of us do, none of us were given a manual when we were born. He had no way of resolving it. So what he did, just put it behind him and he stuffed it back there, right next to his heart. And that's where the lung tumor was. And he was diagnosed to be terminally ill. And when he finally went through his process, his own internal wisdom, not mine, but his own infinite wisdom inside, finally revealed to him, and now he's 67 years old, here it is 50 years later, and his own wisdom revealed to him that no one is taken before their time. And so for the first time in 50 years, this man finally forgave God and finally forgave those evil Nazis. And when he did, it looked as if his face just cracked. It was like a cement block. It was like it cracked. And just a, a peace began pouring through. And tears streamed down his face for 50 years of forgiveness. And he finally just in his heart begged for forgiveness of the Nazis for having judged them for so long. And about three weeks after his process, he went into hospital here in Tynemweir, and he had an MRI scan done, which is a soft tissue x-ray, and he was diagnosed to be completely free from that tumor. All he had left was a scar, little scar tissue, and that was all that was left. And so what I love about this work, it doesn't just work with Brandon. It works with anybody. It doesn't seem to matter what walk of life or who they are, that the ability to heal exists in all of us and that there is a way to get in contact with the part of you that not only is capable of healing but is capable of revealing what's stored inside your cells. And so that's been the greatest blessing of this journey is to really be able to participate and watch as other people undergo their own healing journey. You make a couple of points I must pick up on, and I've got one very specific question I'd like to ask you about medical things. But you've been very clear there to say that it isn't you doing it. Yeah. It's the person doing it. It's somebody finding their own way with guidance. Would yes. that be a way of putting it? That's extremely accurate. And um, the way I would put it is that I think each person needs to come to healing completely, uniquely on their own. And... I underwent my own healing process, and it was unique for me. Some people I work with are undergoing chemotherapy, and I recommend with people that you really undergo whatever feels appropriate for you. This is not a prescription here. This is a thing that you can do alongside of whatever work you're doing. So if you're going the orthodox route and you're undergoing radiation treatment or chemotherapy, or even if you're undergoing therapy emotionally with somebody else, this is simply a process, certainly not the only process, but a process that is a gift that can allow you to participate in your own healing process, help you let go and free your own body from things that have been stored there for a long time and finally finish. And I think of it as a complement to whatever path someone's on. It's not a path in and of itself. It is simply a set of tools 
for everyone to take, to use in whatever way is appropriate for them. On the basis that internally they will know what is appropriate. Yeah, you, that's finally what I had to learn. It was such a, what was so humbling about it. My own experience was here I had all this background, 17 years of being in the mind-body healing field, and finally I had to put all that aside and pray. And when you use the word pray, it seems to me from having met you and read the book and other things that you've said, you don't mean pray in the normal way that people use that word in the sense of pray to their God. You mean pray to... Pray to the awareness, to the infinite intelligence inside the body. To pray to the part of you that does have the knowing. I had to throw out everything I knew and come from a place of innocence and say, you know what, I don't have the answers. And I asked and prayed to that part of me that does have the answers. Because there is a part of you that's awake when you're asleep at night. And so when I say pray, I meant literally say, okay, I don't have the answers. I've been in this field for as long as I could be in the field. And finally I just say, you know what? I don't have the answers, but there is a part of me that does. And just to pray to somehow get in touch with that part of me. And then it was not only that part of me that gave the answers, it was that part of me that revealed what was going on inside of the body. It was also that part of me that did the healing. I never say I healed myself. I never say... I, meaning Brandon, healed myself. I was just given the immense blessing of being able to get in contact with my own soul and let it reveal to me what was going on and let it go about the process of healing. Brandon, this is such a powerful message that I need to ask you this question as well. Because the journeys help many people to overcome seemingly impossible to cure without surgery problems, medical problems, Is there any danger in the suggestion or the implication that they abandon normal medical views and action? I would never suggest to anybody that they abandon anything. I really do suggest strongly to people that you listen to your own inner truth, that you listen to what your own inner knowing is telling you, and that you go about the course of action that feels appropriate for you and... I feel that each person comes to this uniquely themselves. And the power in this work, the journey work, is that there's no one here saying that she has the answers. I'm going to say that all the answers that you need to discover are within yourself. And that perhaps, hopefully, that this method can give you a means of getting in touch with your own answers. But by all means, follow whatever your own heart and your own truth is revealing to you. Because finally, I had to abandon all answers and get in touch with the part of me that had the real answers. Brandon, let me see if I can take a change of tack now. You worked extensively with Tony Robbins, who was probably the best-known presenter across the world with his various things, with neuro-associated conditioning, and you were a presenter on stage with Tony, and obviously with your previous husband, Bob. Tell me, what was the key thing that you've taken from Tony, or key things that you're still using today? Those are many things. I thank God that I got a chance to work with Tony. He taught me a lot about possibility thinking, that all things are possible. And certainly, that my life became a reflection of that. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to the man. But what I loved about what Tony taught is he made it user-friendly. He made it accessible. It wasn't just information that we all got an experience of it. And I find with work, when you have your own directic experience of it, 
it becomes yours. And so now, like Tony, I give seminars. And in the seminars, my greatest prayer is that people not just hear the information, because yes, some information is given, but my really fondest and deepest desire for them is they get such a large and powerful experience of their own truth, of their own inner wisdom, that they get access to source, and they find the way to get to the root cause of what has put any issue into place, be it emotional or physical, that they leave the seminar with a set of tools that they can then use in other areas of their life. And that's my highest prayer for them, so that if their child is having an issue, to work with their child, or if their grandparents are having an issue, to work with their grandparents or their spouse. You know, I love it when families come together because it's a very deep healing. That when you start getting to the root cause, you think you're arguing about one thing, but it's really about something much deeper. And when you finally finish with that and your spouse finishes with that, you meet at such a much deeper and more intimate place. It's such a healing place. So, you know, we give lots of different workshops. We have children's workshops for children and uh, we have adult workshops where they start with the journey work. And then once you've got a full grasp of how to use that in your life and ongoingly use it, you know, it's called the journey, not a band-aid or not a sticking plaster, as you say here in this country. And the reason it's a journey is because, yes, you might deal with that emotional issue, that betrayal issue, let's say. You've got that handled. But that doesn't mean you still don't have a, a low self-esteem issue. And so then you have the tools in the journey workshop to deal with the low self-esteem issue. Or let's say it does, God forbid, happen that someone close to you ends up with a tumor or with cancer, with chronic fatigue or arthritis. Here you have a means to help them undergo and participate in their own healing process. They don't just become a victim of what has happened. And so, yes, that's my fondest prayer, that you get an experiential experience of the work so that you can use it in a very practical, down-to-earth way in your life. And after that, there's deeper seminars where people go after abundance issues. Because all of us know that we kind of hold ourselves back from creating the level of abundance we want to have in our lives. And so on. We have no ego retreats where you go after some of the ways you've set up your whole ego identity. And all of these seminars are designed really to help a person let go of whatever's obscuring them, whatever veils are blocking or holding them back from living their life at the highest potential. And when you strip away these old patterns, you find you start living your life as a true expression of your real self, of who you really are. And you start living at your highest potential. And so ultimately, that's my highest prayer for people, that they start living as an expression of their soul, not as an expression of their pain. Brandon, I know from our conversations that you have a number of introductory seminars that you can do for people so they start to understand the real tools and techniques that they can use and if they wish to take home this toolbox of things Mm. in order to create their own definition of success. So that prompts me to ask you the question, what is your personal definition of success? My personal definition of success is living your life as an expression of the real you at your highest potential. It means living your life completely fulfilled in all the areas according to your own definition of what that is, as the highest expression of who you really are. And for that, yes, you need to strip away this that you're not, so this that you are, this potential can really shine. And so true success is living at your highest potential. 
Brandon, as you and I know, there's no such thing as time management. There's only really self-management of the 24 hours everybody has available each day. What is the one technique or method or idea that you use, because you get so much done, to get more done each day or squeeze more out of every day? Whatever I do, I make certain that I'm present to just that one task. I give my full attention to just that. And then when the next moment comes, then I'm present to that next task. And I find when I give all of my focus and attention just to the one single thing in that moment, grace takes care of it easily and effortlessly. And I'm able to complete that with much greater ease. However, if my mind and my body and my being is going in ten different directions, which in any given moment, because of the dynamism of my life, it could go, I find that everything gets done poorly and not with grace. But when I just give myself and I'm just in this present moment with no thought of the past and no thought of the future, just this moment, things seem to take care of themselves quite gracefully and effortlessly. Brandon Bayes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sparing the time.